God, we come here today to acknowledge this incredible name of Jesus and the remarkable truth of the resurrection. We are enamored with you. We trust you. We love you. And I pray now that you would just come and open our hearts and minds to whatever you might have for us. Help us to see you in a deeper way. Help us to make decisions that are effectual for our life. And we just give this next few minutes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's Easter. I didn't see very many of you this morning at the Arboretum. I was walking around enjoying the flowers and getting a glimpse of spring. Apparently, you didn't know it was spring. And by the way, this is a warning from your pastor. Do not, I repeat, do not look at your weather app this morning. Do not. All right? But I'm so glad you're here. Easter is amazing because we celebrate the most important thing. The most important thing is that Jesus is alive. And because of the fact that he is alive, we can have full transformation of life. We can have freedom from the bondages that grab us in our lives. And more importantly, we can have eternal life. And it was said as we watched this beautiful baptism that she will never die. And we'll talk about that more this morning. And so this morning I'm going to talk about two pathways. I'm going to talk about one pathway that leads to death and destruction. Away from God. And I'm going to talk about another pathway that leads to God and eternal life. And I'll give you an opportunity to choose which pathway you would like to walk on. We all have a deep desire to be the people that God wants us to be or has created us to be. And even though we know our shortcomings and even though we struggle with our own instincts sometimes or not getting out of our own way, we know that we can be that person because Jesus is alive. We struggle to live in this broken world. This world that offers so much death and destruction and violence and uncertainty. But we know that Jesus said in John 16:33, I have overcome the world. And so we can walk in courage because Jesus is alive. We wonder often, maybe even in the darkness of night, what will happen to me when I die? Is there assurance of life after death? We can move forward and know that we will be with God through faith in Christ. And that's because Jesus is alive. Jesus is this incredible transforming power. And we come to him not by doing good things or not by polishing our spiritual resume. We come to him simply through faith. And we have this immense future waiting ahead of us. And one of the passages we're going to explore this morning is the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5. And here's a glimpse of that. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And I want you to really pay attention to these words. I am making all things things new. 
because Jesus is alive and well and reigning over the universe. And we just sang about that power to change our lives. Now, one of the names for Jesus in the Bible is the Lamb of God. And that's because Jesus came to be a sacrificial lamb. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals in order to deal with sin. But Jesus came as a lamb in order to pay that final sacrifice. And so we've been following the lamb this week. We started on Palm Sunday. And we saw Jesus arrive at the Mount of Olives and look out over the city. And he knew he was going to ride down into the city in order to introduce himself. So he asked two disciples, go get a colt for me. And her mother and the disciples, we don't know who they are, went there and they said to him first, though, well, what happens if they say no? And Jesus said, tell them that the Lord has sent you. And that phrase, tell them that the Lord has sent you, that was the announcement of his kingship. Messiah, the king of Israel. And he would ride down that hill and they would announce him. They would throw palms in front of him. He was the king of the moment. Five days later, he was being killed. And so on Palm Sunday, we stood at the cross and we marveled at this sacrifice. Why would the God of the universe, why would the rightful Messiah, the rightful king, allow himself to be crucified on a a cross by the Romans? And biblically, our conclusion is, is that he did it to glorify his father because his father put this redemptive plan together that we could Be saved because, you see, every sin that we've ever committed, every mistake, every rebellion we've ever done, went with Jesus to the cross. And now today we celebrate the fact that he is alive. And because he is alive, we can have new life. We can be on this path toward God, toward life forever. And if we're on this path right now, through faith, we can jump over here. And that's exciting stuff. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you have them with you this morning, and turn to the book of Revelation 21. Now, if you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in that seat rack in front of you. You can grab that and you can turn to page number 1041. Or you can use the Ridgewood app that Neil talked about. And you can just hit media, study notes, and write to today. And all the scriptures there for you. And notes that you can punch in as well. Revelation 21, and we're going to begin this morning in verse 1 in just a couple of minutes. With his resurrection, it's important to understand that Jesus defeated the final enemy, which is death. And because Jesus defeated death, so can we by following him. And so all of this we're going to talk about this morning is about new life. It's about hope. It's about The power of God to take us to places we can never go on our own. But before we read this Revelation passage, let's recap quickly the resurrection moment, because this is so vitally important to what we're referring to. So Luke 24, 1 through 6, you don't have to turn there, you'll see it on the screen. Here's what happened. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, these are angels, stood beside them. 
In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Wow. How about that for a phrase? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And I'm sure they must have been thinking, yeah, he said something about this might happen. And then the text said he is not here. The angel said he has risen. He has defeated death for all time. Now, we could go through a whole litany of apologetics about why we know that the resurrection is true and why there's an empty tomb. But here's, for me, something that's really interesting. And having just returned from Israel again, we, we stumble upon this church that everyone stumbles upon when they go to Israel. It's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is a church that was built by Constantine's mother in the 4th century when Roman finally, Rome finally became Christianized and Christians stopped fleeing for their lives. Constantine's mother went to the Holy Land and love her or hate her, she orally picked up on where all these events that happened in the Bible and she built churches on each significant spot. And one of those spots is underneath or a part of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is where tradition, probably history, says that this is where Jesus was crucified, where he was buried, and where he rose again. And one of the real evidences for this is, these Christians in that time, in the first century, they knew where all this stuff happened. And so orally they were passing this along. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Constantine's mother, come over here. This is where it happened. Right here. And so, the tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead, and because of that, we have incredible hope. And what we're going to see in this passage in Revelation is, we're going to see that we're going to live in a new celestial place. It's going to be changed. A new city, dwelling with God, dwelling with each other. And we're going to do all of this with no grief or pain if we're on this pathway. So let's read this passage together. Verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Then our verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That's the gospel. To the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. Because Jesus already paid for that. That's what the cross is. And then in seven, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. 
So this is incredible stuff, and it's penned by the Apostle John, who has been exiled to this lousy place called Patmos. It was an industrial island. But there, because he was exiled by his, because of his faith, God met him and gave him this revelation of the future, and he wrote it down as Scripture. And what he writes about is life, renewal, and the power of Christ. And what is in the future for us? So the first thing we need to understand, and the first thing that's really exciting, is that the followers of Jesus will live in a new heaven and a new earth. New heaven and new earth. Now, scholars who do this for a living and sit around all day and think about being a scholar, have debated for years about what does it mean, a new heaven and a new earth? Is it? A renewed earth that we live on now and a renewed heaven, so we'll recognize it. It'll just be the way it was before men fell into sin. Or is it something completely other? And that we don't know for sure. But here's the point. The point is, it'll be new. It'll be a place where there's no chaos. That strange wording in verse 1 where he talks about there'll be no more sea. It's really people go like, no water in heaven? I don't want to go there. I want my boat. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, in that time, the sea was a fearsome thing. They were afraid of it. It was dark. They couldn't navigate it. It could do whatever it wanted to you. And what John is saying, in this place, you're not going to have to worry about that. There's not going to be any fear. It'll just be peace with God. So we'll live, if you're on this path, in this new celestial surrounding. But we'll also live in something exciting, a new city. We'll live in a brand new city. Followers will, in verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This beautiful new place that we will dwell in together as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, the bridegroom motif runs throughout the New Testament. The groom here is Jesus. The bride, of course, is the church. The church is not the building that we're sitting in. Now, I know, we drive around and go, there's the church. We're going to go to that church. Oh, look at that beautiful church. No, the church biblically is made up of you and me, those who follow Christ. The universal church is every Christian before us, every Christian after us. This is the church. We are the bride. Jesus is the groom. This is one of the reasons that he holds marriage in such high esteem, because this is the metaphor he used for his love for us. The bride and the groom. The bride is also Israel. And the bride is beautifully adorned for her husband on the wedding day. And so here we see this city appearing that is like a bride. It's a beautiful metaphor. It's one that we're meant to go, oh, yeah, we understand that. Now, if you would all travel, you know that cities have their own personality. They have their own culture, their own history. And every village, every town, every city has community where people gather and are part of that community. Right now, God is making for us a city that we will live in that will reflect the fact that God will be with us 
and we will be with each other. This is our future because Jesus is making everything new because he's alive. Now, at the same time, I read this and I think about the Twin Cities. And I think about the desire that we all have that our city be renewed. And, and, and you see over here, we've got our city kind of starting to the left where it's, it's being renewed as you go to the right. And we, we love our city. We love, we love the culture. We, we love the people. We love the weather. Maybe not. We love the Vikings. No, maybe not. But anyway, we love our city because our city is afflicted with all of the problems that big cities have a problem with. Drug addiction, opioid abuse, violence, racism, corruption. It's all here and it grieves our spirit. The only hope for the renewal of our city is Jesus Christ because he is alive. And he has promised to make all things new. And so we're committed as a church, Ridgewood is, to diving into our city and allowing the presence of Christ to transform people's lives and hence our city and its life. We recently sponsored an event at Minnetonka High School that was an opioid drug awareness night. And there were members there from the police task force and so forth. And so we're trying to tentacle that way. We just hosted an event called the Snowflake Ball where... Many, many with disabilities come and they have a ball, a dance, and we, and we treat them and honor them for their differences, not condemn them for their differences. You may have seen that story on Channel 5, but it's a way for us to just go into the community and allow Jesus to be there. And we're also a part of a faith community that is growing in the Minnetonka area that would like to be involved with making our city a better place to live. And so what we're trying to do is bring Jesus into this transforming power so our city can be changed. But you and I are going to live in a brand new city, one made just for us. And that's exciting because it will be a new cosmos, a new city, if you're on this path. But the best part of it at all is that you'll be with God forever. Look at verse 3. We'll be in the presence of God And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And so we celebrate the fact that followers of Jesus will be forever in his presence. And I flipped here, God and Jesus, because they're the same person. Jesus claimed to be God often in Scripture. I and the Father are one. And so we worship Jesus as the living God. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that he has promised, and he promised this to his disciples, just before he was crucified, he said, don't worry, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And and here's what he said in John 14. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have today told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? It has many rooms. He has a place just for you. The only thing required is having faith in him. This is an amazing thing. 
It's an amazing hope. And here for me is the clincher as we arrive at verse 4. Now, for me, I'm going to say that my love for Jesus is not based on all of these future magnificent things. I mean, I trust them. I love them. It gives me hope and a direction. But my love for Jesus is simply based on I love Jesus because of him, who he is, what I've seen him do in my life, the grace that I've experienced in my life, the hope that he gives me when I wake up in the morning and I can sit in the dark and I can talk to God, I can talk to Jesus. I love him. I deeply love him. But this is an amazing truth that gives me even more hope. Look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's an amazing hope. We're struggling with those, you know, money issues, marriage struggles, health issues, addiction, grief. And here's this promise that there'll be no more crying. And I look forward to that. I look forward to that day when the struggle will be completed and will be with Christ. And there is so much pain. This weekend alone in our church, we're dealing with a suicide, an attempted suicide, and other deaths. And that's just this weekend, here in this church. And so, I look forward to the day when we won't grieve anymore. Because our hope will be with Christ. And, and I think of Wendy and, and how she had to go through abandonment and we lost a child. And then I think of losing my first wife and I think of all this stuff and I... And I I go to the hope of Christ in every instance because he is the future. He is everything. And one day, as I walk with him on this pathway, there'll be a place where there'll be no more crying, no more mourning, no more tears, no more hospital beds, no more cancer, no more sitting at the bedside of parents who can't understand how their child is gone. No more of that. Because Jesus will be with us and will be with him forever. And he's promised that we will never die. And so we'll experience this incredible place if we're willing to put our lives and our faith with him on this pathway in this new city, this new place. And now the how. You might be thinking, well, that sounds intriguing. Well, how do I get over on this pathway then? Well, here's how you get from this path To this path. And it comes right in this passage. In verses 5 through 7. We won't read 5 again because we've read it before. But in verse 6. And he said to me. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. Here's the truth, and how you get to that other path is that followers of Jesus receive living water through faith. You think, well, that sounds easy. Yeah, it's really not that complicated. 
We saw a child be baptized in the first service. Jesus said, bring the children to me. They actually get this stuff because they're not overthinking it. We come through faith. Jesus, again, is making all things new. The Spirit said to John, write this down. This is truth. And by the way, there is objective truth in this world. Not everything is subjective. And the truth we read here in this book is objective truth. He said, write it down. You need to record this. And then this wonderful metaphor, a title for Christ, which includes the first and the last Greek alphabet. It is, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The title of Christ indicating that he is before the universe. Before all things that he created. And then the Omega, that he is at the end of the consummation of human history. Jesus is an eternal being. He's not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a great man. He is the eternal God. Because he said so. You think, well, he's a lunatic. Fine, you can go off with that. But don't tell me he's a great teacher. Because he said it very clearly in John 8, 58. I, I am that I am, that means that he's the God of Israel, the I am that God sent Moses out to deal with. And so, God is Jesus, Jesus is God. Now, here's the gospel in verse 6. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So this great God, the Lamb who rose from the dead, offers eternal life without payment to all that ask. How do you get from this path to this path? You simply believe in Jesus. Unfortunately, in our culture and in our churches, we've taken religiosity and we've laid it over this simple truth to make you go through all kinds of hoops when you're meant to simply respond in faith to who Jesus is. And to borrow a phrase from legendary Minnesota hockey coach Herb Brooks, Now is your time. Now is your time to decide what path you want to be on. You want to be over here or do you want to be on a pathway toward heaven and eternity? When Herb Brooks was firing up his troops in 1980 when they beat the Russians in that amazing Olympic hockey game, this is what he said to his guys. He said, now's your time. This is your time. And that's what I'm challenging you with this morning. This future can be yours because of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's calling you to himself. He's calling you to simple faith. Here's how it works. We first acknowledge that we have a sin issue. Sin is simply defined as rebellion against God. You think, I've never rebelled against God. Well, have you ever erred? Have you ever hurt someone? Have you ever done something you regret? Well, that's evidences of the Bible talking about that kind of sin. It's described here in verse 8 as the second death. And in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So we're on this path. And this path leads to death, destruction, and yes, the H word, hell, that Jesus talked a lot about. Now, the Pope this week was quoted as saying there is no hell. Probably not a fair quote. I went back and read a bunch of things on that. But he did say something that I think is really problematic. He said that hell is reserved for only the 
quote-unquote, mortal sins. No, we're all on this pathway because every sin to God is rebellion. And He is holy and we're not. And so how do we get off this path if we're all on it? We get off of it through simple belief in Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 just says it simply, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, wait a minute. Where's confirmation in that? Well, where's my scripture memory in that? Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. I got, I've got to agree to sign up for this whole thing. No. Again, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from that pathway to that pathway. And that's what I'm calling you to this morning. I'm calling you to a new life. I'm calling you to transformation. I'm I'm calling you to fling off the bondages of selfishness, of being in this material world that leads nowhere. And I'm calling you to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, just put everything down and bow your head for a minute. I'm going to give you a moment to think about this because it's an important decision. I'm so passionate about this because I understand, I understand the ramifications of this and it's eternal and it's important. And so just take a moment and think, what path do you want to be on? Are you willing to believe in Jesus? Are you willing to just say, yes, I believe in you? I believe you rose from the dead. I am sorry for those sins I've committed. And then you will start a new life with Christ. So just think about that for a moment. So keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you've decided this morning that you want to get on the path to eternal life, that you want to follow Jesus, then just raise your hand where you are so I know I'll pray with you and we can start this journey together. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Awesome. I see that hand as well. I see people. I see that hand. I see people making decisions for Jesus all around. I see that hand in the back. This is so good. And so you can look at me now. And if you made that decision, there are certain things you can do. First, the first thing I would encourage you to do is to talk with the person that you came with. If you came with someone, just say, what's this thing? I just, I just, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And that friend can help you. Secondly, if you didn't come with anybody or if you want to take another step, again, at the app, if you open your app, you'll see on the bottom there's a tab called Get Involved. You can just touch that and then go to I'm Following Jesus, and there's a way to contact the pastoral staff confidentially. You can also come forward after the service. You can be prayed for confidentially, and they can help you understand what this decision means. And, of course, you can always just phone the office or you can just come in and talk to us, but... This is really an important decision because I believe biblically that when you make that decision to follow Jesus, you now will never die. And you'll have life abundant, but it's a process and you're going to grow into that. So let's pray and thank God for this wonderful transformation, the freedom, the hope 
that comes because Jesus is alive. Dear God, we thank you for that hope. We thank you for the, the truth that we can depend on, that we can acknowledge, that we can live for. God, we thank you for taking us from the darkness and transferring us to the, to the dominion of your light. And God, we know that it was only through your grace. And I thank you for each person that raised their hand or others that are pondering this morning, that you would help them follow a new way. Help them to understand what it means. Help them, people to come alongside of them. Help them not to be afraid to ask questions. But thank you for that immediate salvation that comes in a mystery of a blink of an eye when we turn ourselves over to you. And so we rejoice in this hope. We rejoice that you are alive. In Jesus' name, amen.